The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Hey, Michael. How are Hello, you? Hello, Ira. Hey, and welcome back. <laughs> A little tired, as I imagine you are. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. A big shout out to Googleization Nation, um, where we're helping people understand what it takes to live in the kind of the VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Uh, and um, we, we're certainly being tested on that. Um, we were both, uh, I think you were on the call. Uh, we were on the call uh, about an hour ago. Yep. for the first adaptability quotient, the AQ Masterclass Series. We're learning about resilience, about backing, uh, bouncing back, uh, as uh, Ross Thornley, who was a guest just a few weeks ago, uh, talking about AQ. Uh, we were focused on resilience this morning, and I, I loved when he said, uh, we need to not talk about bouncing back, but bouncing forward. And yeah. uh, I think that's absolutely the case. So we'll, we'll be talking a lot about that. Uh, well, one of the things that he said that, that I was excited to just echo here on, on your show is that the whole concept behind adaptability is teachable. And that's so different from so many of the things that you and I have worked with over the years. You know, abilities are pretty much hardwired. Yeah, you can maybe nudge them up a little bit over time, but they are what they are. Same with motivators and personality. But the adaptability piece is a learnable skill for those who choose to go down that path, which I, I think is incredibly powerful. Yeah, and, and again, uh, I, I don't want to take away, uh, which we've got a great speaker today, or a great guest today. Uh, we've got Josh Little, and he's going to be talking about the uh, Zoom fatigue. Uh, but before we get there, uh, you know, and part of that is is adaptability. So a lot of people uh, in, in March, you know, we've talked about that uh, for well, for seven months, but even before that, but uh, that people were odd, overnight had to adapt. And what you do is you get into this um, spectrum of uh, different stages of adaptability, just sort of like a grief. And, you know, you move from, um, I guess, the earliest stages, some people just collapsed, they just fell apart, they stressed out, burnt out. Um, and again, for doesn't, doesn't mean that there weren't good reasons, losing a job, getting sick, um, you know, multiple things, but, you know, other people rebounded it, it very well. So it, it went from co collapsing to coping a lot. And, and most people are just getting by and they say, oh, we're flexing, but emotionally they're just coping. And then we get to growing and then we get to thriving. And ultimately we need to teach people. Unfortunately, as you, as you mentioned, uh, things like resilience and grit and open-mindedness or not open-mindedness, but my, uh, growth mindset, mental flexibility, unlearning, uh, all these things, these are actually skills that we, we sort of took for granted before. And, and now we're able to, uh, 
you know, they've been able through research and science understand that we can actually teach people to become more adaptable. It's a skill similar to what you and I uh, start sort of met on um, over motivation, you know, the QMQ quality of emotion sure. is, you know, if you think of motivations intrinsic, is it intrinsic or external? Do I have to, you know, dangle the carrot in front of somebody uh, or is it just somebody's hardwired to do that? And when you start looking at motivation as a skill, it changes everything. Uh, now we can look at adaptability as, as a skill. And just like EQ, emotional intelligence, people looked at it. Well, some people are more emotional, some are less. No, there's a skill behind yeah. how, how we respond. So a lot of those things going on. Um, a couple, because uh, I said, we're going to bring on uh, just really in a minute or so. We're, I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh, we're going to bring on Josh Little, who's the CEO of Volley. Um, we're also going to be entertaining uh, at the end, uh, after the break uh, today. Uh, we're going to have Joyce Joya again uh, from the Herman Group. Um, we're going to be talking about being ahead of the curve, normal 2.0. And our focus today is going to be on leadership. So that should be fun. It went over really well last week. She had We had a, a great uh, conversation with her. And yeah, she was great. Yeah, and uh, she was really excited about it. We got some great feedback, so we're going to continue uh, that on. I, and uh, she has the uh, Herman Trend Alert, uh, which comes out weekly. I just got that early this morning. And uh, in that one, uh, well, I'm sure we'll address that in the future one. It was about hotels in normal 2.0. And yeah. What's, what's all that? I mean, cruise ships are... I think they just I just saw that they wrote off 2020 and uh, but and then somebody described it as a, uh, you know, does anybody want to go back in a giant Petri dish? <laughs> so, so uh, you know, they're going to have to figure that out. Back to somebody yesterday, uh, last actually in my graduate class last night about organizational change. Somebody was talked about uh, Broadway. You know, when's that going to come back? And it's oh, been, that's right. And I have a lot of colleagues and and performers I know who are just you know from symphony performers to people who play in uh, various uh, theater productions. It's just they're they're toast well, for the anybody moment. who's been in Broadway. And I know a lot of theaters are like that. But Broadway seats were really built for people under 150 pounds and five foot six. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of cram you in there. It's like the uh, anatomy. I mean, it's the opposite of uh, you know social distancing and safety. So right. Yeah. That's going to look like so they're, they're, we got a long way to go but uh we need to address something because certainly uh what has saved us uh why we're able to be um as productive as we are you know stock market sky high again today um but uh, you know they're, they're, the economy for as bad as it is is good there's a lot of segments that are really thriving and part of that is through technology and using technology um one of the solutions was using zoom um but people are getting fatigued you know hopefully yeah. Uh, this is a no. Nobody has to be on screen except you, me, and Josh, and, and eventually Joyce today. Um, but you know, I started at uh, nine o'clock this morning, and uh, I've been on three calls. And uh, you know, fortunately, one of them was was just them. But I was just watching and observing. But the other two, uh, it's just back to back to back to back. Some days of being on screen and it's exhausting. So with that, uh, we're gonna bring in on Josh Little. Uh, he is the CEO of Volley. This is the fourth startup he's had, very successful startups in the past. And uh, he's gonna talk about how do we kind of get beyond the, the death by meeting. Death by meeting is to be you walked, you know, you just kept looked at your calendar and you went from room to room. Oh yes. Uh, you know, now you say, well, that would be easy. We just pop on the screen. And uh, 
but it, it, it's exhausting. It's exhausting for a lot of reasons. I, I concur wholeheartedly, and I'm really looking forward to what he's got to say to help navigate this because it, it's exhausting. you got to make sure your area's cleaned up. You've got all these other parameters that go into a Zoom meeting versus picking up a phone call. So, Yeah, sure, absolutely. And that's, uh, it's exhausting even without worrying about the, all, all that stuff. Uh, so hopefully Josh is coming on board here. There yeah. he is. So, hey, guys. Hey, good day. Hey, Josh. Good morning for you, Josh. I think you're out in Utah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Said. Um, hopefully uh, you got a couple hours sleep last night <laughs> for our election. Right. I gave up. I, I knew it was going to be a long night. So yeah. I yeah. just sleep. A long couple of days, I think. I uh, think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, actually, everybody was worried about the uh, protests and violence. And, uh, you know, with the at least at this point, the market's up a couple hundred points. So. That doesn't solve the economy. Obviously, uh, what's it? Sixty percent of the population doesn't even have is not even invested in the stock market. <laughs> so uh, we, we still have a lot of struggle, struggles. But um, you know, as you heard the intro, I'm sure um, we're, sure. we're all struggling with this Zoom fatigue. Uh, and so, talk a little. Let's talk a little bit about that um, because Zoom, in one respect, not just Zoom, but Zoom, Google Meet, Teams, uh, whatever, saved a lot of companies. Um, you know, especially people, consultants, speakers, trainers, uh, but businesses. How do we communicate? How do we sell? How do we reach people? But going from it, it's a whole different experience and going from one meeting to another, um, it's a whole different dynamic. So let's talk about that a little bit. And then I know uh, your new venture um, has a, a solution or part of a solution for that. For sure. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the back to back to back. That's been a, a badge of courage in the corporate world for many years. And, and we're hoping to change that. And, and I'm also glad you, you mentioned that Zoom is just the scapegoat here. Zoom happens to be kind of the, the market leader and uh, got widely adopted because they built a great piece of technology um, and, you know, better, but just marginally so, but that's all it needed to be better than the others to to get the adoption that it had. So Zoom fatigue is, you're right, it's also Skype fatigue and GoToMeeting fatigue and uh, all, of, all of the others out there. Um, because it, for some of the reasons you mentioned, it's, it is not natural and we're missing that really important bit of synchronicity, that last one second of synchronicity that we're used to when we're sitting together in a room or when we're standing next to each other or even uh, the telephone and, and cell phones have uh, allowed us to have that synchronicity, that duplex. Um, e this little bit of timing that's off just makes a bit a bit of a difference that makes the conversation seem awkward and so but but i guess I'll, I'll challenge that a little bit because i can argue both sides of this um and, and somebody asked i think i asked this in the last time i, I have so many interviews and so many conversations besides my own sure. uh, somebody asked the question is what would what would the pandemic response been without technology <laughs> and we can we can actually frame that as what would be our response be without Zoom? Or, and again, not specific to Zoom. Thank you, Google Meet. Thank you, Microsoft Teams. <laughs> you know, all these other yeah. ones. But what would our, what would the response have been without it? It would have been disastrous because the reality is we need to talk to move work forward. 
conversation is the heart of what moves work forward. If you if you think about it, we have all of these other tools, email, chat, text, etc., which are great for quick information updates and and sharing you know files or links or whatnot, but to move work forward, we need to talk. And the, the convention has been either you, you really only have two options. You can either jump on a call or you can set up a meeting. And um, while both of those are interruptive, uh, you know, being able to do those virtually has, has sort of saved companies because that's really been the only way we can talk. So we've, we've seen an increase, a, a, a large increase in virtual meetings uh, on platforms like Zoom, but we've also seen just a general uptick in the percentage of time spent in meetings, which has increased 13% just since social distancing started. And that's on top of two decades of, of the time spent in meetings increasing by eight to 10% a year. It's just kind of this runaway train, which uh, to, to what you had mentioned, Ira, it's a, it's becomes a back to back to back situation, which gets in the way of productivity. So, so you, let me roll this back a little bit because you, you talk, and again, some people may not understand what, when we talk about uh, synchronicity is, and obviously we're here together, we're all in the same spot, um, and, and I have done the podcast for two years, just audio, and now that it's video, I actually really like it because you get to see the people. Now, at first it was like, oh gosh, I, I've actually got to put more than a t-shirt on, uh, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I've got to make sure the background's right, I don't have to do all this stuff. Um, so to me, it seems even more synchronous than a telephone. What, why do you say it's not as synchronous as a telephone? As Good a question. Yeah. When I say synchronous, I mean time at the same time. Uh, so I'm a singer and one of the, one of the first things every school and choir wanted to do right after social distancing was a virtual choir. Let's get mm -hmm. on zoom and sing. But they quickly realized, oh, that doesn't work because when I'm speaking or singing, I can't hear you. And we might be just a second off, a half a second off, but that's enough to make it sound bad, right? So that's that little little gap in synchronicity. What you're talking about, the difference between phone and a video call like this is all about the, the getting the full spectrum of communication, the full pipe um, uh, of richness. Uh, it's it's been debated, but somewhere between 70 to 93% of what, uh, what is communicated is communicated through tone of voice and body language, body language holding about 55% of that. So, so the, the 55% the video adds is valuable because, uh, I could say, I could say something and be looking off or have a, you know, a sad look on my face or a troubled look on my face. And that means something totally different is if I'm emoting and, and, and smiling at you. So video does add a lot, but it's that synchronicity that wears on us. It's, it's the lack of synchronicity. It's the, I can't quite interrupt or you can't quite stop me. And then if we stop, then there's this, this gap. And then we're kind of waiting who's going to talk next. And there's, we're actually amazing as human beings. We're amazing at this, this dance called conversation, uh, so amazing that there is there exists this 200 millisecond gap between turns in a conversation. It's just, and it exists across all languages, all cultures. We know to wait about 200 milliseconds, which is one fifth of a second. And and studies show that 
if you wait just 600 milliseconds, still less than a second, uh, you you trigger what seems like an awkwardly long pause, which causes you to think, are, are they understanding what I'm saying? Do they like what I'm saying? Do they not? It causes you to think all of these things. And so this less than a second difference adds up to a lot of friction, which which leads to this Zoom fatigue. So it, it's really interesting because in a little bit, some of it was preparation, some of it was just happenstance. But I had done a podcast um, in 2010. I started it, and it was Blog Talk Radio for for the if if, if you remember that. And um, you'd go on, and I don't even remember how we. I, I think we we I don't even remember. I guess we accessed it through the computer. I, I think you called in actually because the audio quality on that yeah, at I think the you time. Call, right. I think yeah, you you'd call, call in, and then the computer was like the interface to kind of pull everything together. I, I believe. I, I did it for about 12 weeks. Um, 10 or 12 weeks. And uh, then it was like, oh, this is, you know, I, I'm busy this week. And then, then it, it filtered out. But what was interesting when I went back, I looked, I, I found my files and I found one of the files was, uh, I don't remember the exact title, but it was virtual, visual, they didn't even call it virtual meetings. It was like visual communication for the future. And I had on it a startup. He was a CEO of a startup. His name was, and I actually reconnect. I just connected with him again on LinkedIn. Uh, his name was J.W. Penland. And now he's, he actually has a venture capital firm. Uh, that, that's what he does. And I, I said, hey, look at what I found. And the, and his technology group was called VisiMeet. It was visual meeting, visual meeting. Uh, and his response was, Could, if, if we had COVID-10, or yeah, COVID-10 instead of COVID-19, there might not be a Zoom. There'd be a Zoom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Zoom, uh... I mean, Zoom went from 10 million to 300 million users, uh, I think, between December and April, March or April. Right. Um, you know, so timing is, and, and, and you know this better than I do, uh, in the startup world, and especially technology, sometimes timing is everything. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and we're there. So let's talk about you've got a solution. I mean, we can talk, we, we can beat the uh, Zoom fatigue, and I'm sure everybody agrees that they're there. What, how, how do we get out of that? What, what, what are you working on? What are we doing? What are some ways that people can unfatigue? <laughs> For sure. Well, if you Google Zoom fatigue, you'll see a, a number of articles, all well intentioned, that, that say things like, take breaks, uh, turn, turn off your camera, do all of these things that, that equal zooming less or talking less, right? And, and the answer isn't in talking less, because I believe strongly, and I think all would agree that uh, conversation or communication is the way that we move work forward. We have to talk in order to make work move forward. This is why executives spend 28 hours a week in meetings, yet 17% of them feel that meetings are not a productive use of time. They need that time face-to-face -to, -face to get buy-in, to make decisions, to, to do all of the leading that needs to happen in meetings. So the answer is not talking less. Uh, in fact, also another data point, SAP just launched um, an initiative to that all meetings need to be either 25 minutes or 50 minutes. There's no such thing as a 30 or 60 minute meeting. So, so that way we don't have back-to-back -back meetings, right? That's a good thing, right? But I say if, if, you, if meetings are really flexible like that, why not 
five minute meetings? Why not two minute meetings? If, if we can just suddenly compress the time, right? And mm-hmm. that, that might be a solution. Uh, but as I've seen companies move remotely, as I've over the last decade and a half um, experimented with remote work with my companies and sort of COVID coming on the scene and the social distancing, uh, it sort of sharpened my focus to a solution of this problem. And over the last couple of years, when you talk about timing, I've fallen in love with uh, asynchronous video communication on several different platforms with friends and family. Um, It turns out that conversations are turn-based. We take turns, just like we've done in this conversation. You've taken turns, I've taken turns back and forth. But only because of the constraints of the physical world and the traditional world have we needed to take those turns synchronously at the same time, meaning I have to listen to you while you're talking, you have to listen to me while I'm talking. Um, And with technology, we don't have to do that. We can actually break up those turns and allow those turns to be taken when we have time in between uh, so that we can open up our schedule and and reduce this back to back to back interruptive schedule. So what I've been working on is uh, a conversation hub for work called Volley that allows you to move work forward with asynchronous video conversations. So I can, you know, record my Volley, which is just like, maybe my stand-up for the day. We do asynchronous stand-ups every day as a as an engineering team, and uh, we give our updates. Or I can, you know, say to the, hey, team, I, I was thinking about this, and, you know, what do you think? Should we, should we get the blue T-shirts or the white T-shirts? You know, and then everybody can chime in when they want. I don't have a need for that answer right now. I don't, we don't need to have a meeting for this. We don't need to make this time and place bound. Um, but there's a lot of conversation that fits in between Slack and Zoom, so to speak. Slack meaning written text communication and Zoom synchronous video communication. There is certainly a place for synchronous. Uh, you wouldn't want to fire someone uh, over a text message, right? You, you just wouldn't do that. You'd want to talk a lot. You have to tell a few companies that. I just thought <laughs> It just did it the other day again. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, yeah right. that, that came out. One of the new ones. Any, any emotionally charged conversation, you you want to reserve synchronous for those sorts of things. But there's all of this conversation, all of this communication that falls in between. Written communication is slow be, because I can speak seven to eight times faster than I can compose business communication. Even it's not a matter of typing, it's a matter of thinking and processing and getting the words out, right? And then because you can, you tend to perfect that. Emails, even text messages. I know friends who like obsess over getting everything uh, right in their Slack messages. Um, But when written communication fails to be adequate, uh, what do we do? We need to talk. And if we really only have two options, jump on a call or set up a meeting, then we're going to have back-to-back synchronous meetings all day, which are going to interrupt productivity. 65% of executives say that meetings stand in direct opposition of them completing their individual work. Um, And now we've just increased that by 13% and increased the fatigue as well. 
So how does, uh, so again, for, for those who are out there, and again, there's a lot of people that, you know, Zoom was this new technology, learning how to use it. So in addition to just the fatigue of being in the meetings, they had to learn the functionality. Of how do we do that? How do we set it up? How do we log on? How do we use all the features? Um, but there, you know, I, I mean, I, in fact, uh, I've gotten to the point, and I think this is a little bit what you're talking about. Um, you know, client calls me and says they're having trouble. And, you know, before we'd walk them through, uh, or we'd set up a call, but I can just as easily click the button. I use, uh, there's Loom and there's Dub and, you know, the number of their programs. And I'll just record a screenshot and walk them through exactly what it is. And it takes the same amount of time to do it, probably less time, and send it to them. And I get a tremendous response from that, um, you know, favorable response, um, because it didn't, as you said, it doesn't, require them to find a quiet place to get the lighting right to be on the screen maybe they're involved with something else uh they can just watch it and get the answer yeah absolutely and and you you also gain a number of superpowers when you move from synchronous to asynchronous you you now get some pretty cool advantages one that you didn't have to schedule something on your calendar so now your calendar opens up um, but speed is is a huge advantage because I can watch your Loom uh, synchronous video or asynchronous video at 2x. And I just took your 10 minute presentation and watched it in five. You know, I just 2x my productivity for that little segment of time. Right. And, uh, you know, as as we're starting to use tools, podcast uh, platforms, very few people that I talk to are actually listening to things on 1x, uh, we're, we're 1.25, 1.5, and depending on who's speaking, you know, there, there might need to be a different speed. Um, but you also have the ability to stop time and think, which is another superpower of asynchronous. Um, educational research shows anytime you can wait three seconds anytime a student can wait three seconds before responding, the quality of their response dramatically improves because they have that time to think. And so savvy instructors build in this think time, this wait time where, where a student can process. Because in reality, because of that 200 millisecond gap in between our turns in a conversation, I'm building my response while you're speaking. And, and I was just doing this when you were speaking last. I thought you were going to go to somewhere where like, how does Valley work? And I got my phone and where I watched. That's where we're going next. And we got a couple minutes here. So <laughs> how does Volley work? How, and that was, how, how does it differ? How does it, how does it, how is it different than what I just described or from a Slack uh, or from some of the, or Discord or some of these other channels? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the big difference is asynchronous and what that looks like. We have a mobile app right now uh, on iPhone. We're building desktop and Android as well. And we're about to launch the, the iOS app. But these are all of my conversations, just like text messages. And here I'll, I'll embarrassingly go into one with my wife and you can see the video is running there. And um, th these are our turns in this conversation, in the in the timeline of the conversation. So this is our conversation over time. Never before has has conversation been able to be recorded, and Volley just does that naturally. So I can view. Uh, this is my wife making fish lips. Oh, she's going to be embarrassed that I showed this. <laughs> oh, you're going to pay. You're going to pay. I'm going to pick a better one next time, but. Um, but I can I can record a volley uh, by hitting record and um, saying hi, sweetie, love you, 
Um, I'm giving a non-business example. I got to think of a, a better conversation to jump in. But then that drops in the timeline. Uh, oh, sorry, on this side. And the conversation expands. So this format of communicating is great for brainstorming because creativity doesn't happen on a schedule. It doesn't happen Friday at 5 o'clock or Tuesday at 2.30. It happens when you're in the shower or in these random places. So you can quickly record, you know, oh, iPhone 12 to go in the shower with it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, true. <laughs> Waterproof, right? Um, so it, it allows you all of these other things, not to mention inclusivity, because group conversations are bad for inclusivity it's very you we've all been in meetings where someone can't stop talking and other people can't get a word in edgewise and and they go silent and they're they feel like they're not heard and the beauty of asynchronous is everyone can hit the record button everyone has an equal opportunity to hit record and to chime in and to to give their two cents because we're not constrained by this time box uh, in this physical space. So even so is, is, is your is your platform then just one to one or could you do three, five, 10 people uh, asynchronous at the same time as part of a conversation? Oh, yeah, for sure. You could mm. you, you can have just like text messages, you can have text yep. messages, a group thing, multiple yeah. people. Yeah. So here's our engineering updates conversation with all of my co-founders and, you know, cool. all of us chiming in on engineering updates or our stand-up conversation um, or just our, our general sort of random put anything there because Slack has kind of pioneered that you just need a catch-all, a general sort of conversation to, to put everything in. So um, we're, we're coming up on our break in the end of the segment, uh, Josh. Um, how can people get Volley? How can they download it or where can they download it? And how can they get a hold of you if they want to have, have any questions? Yeah, thanks. Uh, volleyapp.com. We're not quite launched. We're still in private beta. We have hundreds of companies that are kind of on the wait list. Uh, so we're slowly bringing them in and, and letting them adopt the tool while we're learning and, and just polishing. Uh, so it's not publicly available yet, but will be in the coming weeks. So if you go to volleyapp.com, you can join the waitlist, or you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn slash little Josh. Yeah, I, I saw that. I, I was looking, I, I kept typing in for Josh Little and I saw it's Little Josh. So we, we'll have to bring you back to get that story out, how you became Little Josh. Uh, but I appreciate it uh, hey, very much, Josh. I appreciate you being here. Uh, I know a lot of people are suffering for it. I like that idea. And, and uh, even without that, I mean, just the idea of, of shooting videos, a lot of people may not have thought about that, but I'm excited to do that. I can see some uh, immediate needs for it. So uh, I'm going to try to get on the waiting list and uh, hopefully uh, get no I'll get notification when it's available. Well, I know a guy, so I can, I can help you get in. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Very much. Uh, stay safe. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, really appreciate Mike. it. Thanks for being part. Thanks of so much. Great stuff. So, uh, we are going to take a short break here. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Success Performance Solution. Um, and when we come back, uh, we're going to have our celebrity futurist, uh, Joyce Joya from the Herman Group. We're going to be talking this week uh, how to be ahead of the curve. We're going to be talking about leadership in normal 2.0. Stay tuned in two minutes. 
Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift, but do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity to successfully navigate the shift to the new normal. Each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this. Others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, our AQ assessment and coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. Hey, welcome back. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is in Googleization show and our new segment ahead of the curve. Uh, hopefully, Joyce will be joining us very shortly. Um, there she there is. She is. Hey. hey, Joyce. How are you? Can't hear you. You're, you're on mute. <laughs> Joyce, you're on mute. Yep, there we go. I'm great, as great as I can be on about one and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Join yeah. the club. Yeah, I didn't have my, uh, well, actually, I don't wear my Fitbit anymore, but I think if I would have worn it, that's a, about what I had of sleep sleep, even when I was attempting to get more than that. So. I, I looked at Andrea Mitchell this morning on television and I said, oh my God, that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Now you got me curious. <laughs> oh, well, she had circles under her eyes. <laughs> she Understandably. She had an hour and a half of sleep, too. Uh, yeah, I think I woke up last night, uh, fell asleep with the TV on. I think I woke up and it was like three o'clock and Chris Cuomo was just coming on, just starting. His, I mean, when do you ever see these, you know, any of them on the middle of the night? You know, uh, that group. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Hey, we had a great response. Great um, to be back with you <laughs> and Michael. Yeah, and uh, we saw we had the uh, Herman Trend Alert. Got it this morning, and I, I think it was it was hotels, right? Hotels in two. Yep. Hotel yeah. hacks. Yeah. Yeah, hotel hacks. Um, so we'll, I, I can't wait. In the in one of the future weeks, we'll get into that. Uh, but I know we got a lot to talk about, and what an appropriate timing um, with leadership uh, in the new normal or new or normal 2.0, whatever 
you know, whatever that's going to be. Um, and uh, this uh, was from a couple weeks ago uh, in in the, uh, the the trend alert, Herman Trend October alert. October 22nd, actually. Yeah, okay. So people can get up, go up to the website, uh, which is scrolling across the bottom and, and, and get it from the archive. Uh, but you talked about a couple different things. Um, you talked about purposeful leadership, empathy, creativity, innovation. Um, got, let's put that in perspective. I mean, where would you like to start, Ira? Well, I guess, you know, the question is, I mean, people have been studying leadership forever. We've been around for a while, Mike, a little sure. bit less, but long enough. Um, you know, there, there's a million different theories of leadership. So I guess one is, uh, you know, I think we'll all agree that going forward, it's going to be different. But what what's different about the different skills? I mean, why why aren't some of the good old standard off the shelf leadership things uh, going to fly? Why, why isn't it going to work anymore? And, and and they are, except that some are more important than others. And I'm going to start with something that you happen to be very enthusiastic about, which is agility. Mm-hmm. And uh, AQ, as you call it, or agility quotient, is even more important than it's ever been before, because we need to be able. Oh, it's actually adaptability, right? Yeah, yeah it's, you know, I was going to say I didn't want to interrupt you. It's adaptability. But, yeah, so that's, yeah that's what I meant. Uh, yeah, so so it, it's more important because things are changing so fast that we need to be able to adapt quickly, and that is a key leadership trait, I think for this new normal. And it's not like we're going to be there. It's like we're there. And as far as I'm concerned, this is normal 2.0. And what happens post pandemic is normal 3.0. And in fact, I'm going to be doing a presentation for the Asia Pacific Futurist Network on uh, our post pandemic future in normal 3.0. Because it too is going to be different. You know, we've talked about why I call it normal 2.0, the fact that it's an evolution of normal, the fact that it's not like we're going back to something, like back to a normal or to a new normal, but we're going forward into a new version of normal, at least in my view. And there are many aspects of leadership, which yes, admittedly were important before, but are even more important now because we're in a time where our employees, our followers need us to be more for them than we ever had to be before. So there's, I'm looking at this, I actually am reading a book, it's called The Adaptation Advantage, new book, great book. Um, And there there was a graph and it just happened to be sitting here. And underneath that, the description of it is human adaptation is linear, technology change is exponential. And and I think that's important because even in, in the graduate class I started to teach last night, is that there's still people perceive their changes are if we make a gradual change, it's enough. And it used to be. The problem is, is when the world is changing at an incredibly faster rate 
than it ever did before, which comes up with the VUCA, the volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Um, even if you are changing, you've gotten so much better than you used to be a change, um, it's still not enough, which then the responsibility, and this is what I was trying to teach the students. And, and again, it's a graduate class, but most of them are 25 to 31 years old. So they don't have 20 or 30 years of life experience. It's not an executive leadership uh, program. But they yeah. have some life but experience. They, they've had so, yeah, they've had some, right. uh, but they were still kind of micro. And, and it's like, you guys, we're counting on you to be the leaders of the future. Really? be a leader of the future, you have to you have to do two things. One is you have to understand how to adapt at the rate of change. And secondly, how do you get other people to do it? If you're the if you're a manager of it, don't worry about you don't have to worry about it. If you're a leader, you have to get people to acknowledge that we're not going back. And to embrace your vision for the future so that they can support you in helping it to become a reality. So again, let's go back to a couple of things you talked about. Sure. One of the things that definitely changed, uh, and again, I think this is definitely if you went back to what leadership was in the 50s and 60s and 17, more authoritarian, empathy was a thing, not, empathy was a weakness. That was a vulnerability. Yeah, empathy is so important, Ira, that I did a whole week's trend alert on different aspects of empathy and what is empathy. And we can address that sometime in the future. But empathy is vital. It's critical for leaders right now because people are suffering. People are suffering financially. People are suffering emotionally. They, some, of, some of our employees have actually lost loved ones. Mm -hmm. People are suffering socially because they can't connect with others. I mean, it, there's so many ways that people are suffering. And so leaders need to be even more empathetic than they ever were before so that they can see things from their employees' perspective and help to support that employee through whatever he or she is going through. So some of the, so what are some of the other things? I mean, and again, we have, we got like five more minutes and there's a lot, but I, <laughs> there's a lot that we could talk about. Yeah, I think there always is, isn't there? Yeah. I, I think, I mean, we can talk about creativity and innovation. I think people get that part. We need to be doing that. Um, but the purposeful leadership um, I, I think is also very, very important. And, 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 and again, that, that tends to resonate with people. It's, it's what people need right now, rather than just handing them a solution, uh, you know, or, or fixing a problem that they got. I mean, so talk about purposeful leadership. Having a purpose makes us feel like we're contributing to something greater than ourselves. And, and when our purpose is aligned with the purpose of the organization, that's when the magic happens. Can, can you give an example of that? Because I know you always have these stories in, in that of um, an organization that did that. Because, again, people are struggling right now. And, and, and Surely. Sometimes well, one, of our, one of our companies that has been... A, an employer of choice for more years than any other company is called Sedgwick 
and it used to be called Sedgwick CMS, which stands for Claims Management Services. And those folks, they have like, what, 80,000 now employees worldwide speaking 14 or 17 or 24 or 42 different languages. I mean, it's just, it boggles the mind. And what they've done is something that I talk about in my book, Experience Rules, because what they've done is to align their employer brand with their external brand. And it, it all works together so that the employees feel invested in living that brand and their brand is caring counts. And it's, it, it's a leitmotif that goes through every aspect, whether it's their relationships with their suppliers or their relationships with their employees or their relationships with their clients or their relationships with their clients' clients who are the claimants. They live caring. And from the CEO down to the frontline person, they live the purpose of caring for others. So, I think is is just, I think it's it's amazing. How do we, so again, I, I can hear this, you know, I've been around a while and people go back and go, you know, we're, we're, we're reading the book. We're reading a book on purposeful leadership and we're going through our strategic plan and we just came up with the, with the new, you know, we came up with our slogan. Here's our mission, um, you know, and, well, the, the thing is that most companies these days are, are not even looking at missions. They're exchanging purpose for mission. But, but, how, but how do we move beyond, how does a company move beyond the tagline that marketing came up with? That right. everybody says, hey, we just did a survey and everybody said we need to have more caring. So that's our new buzzword. How do, how no. do we no, it's well, here's here's what it here's the way you do it is you have to make sure that everyone in the organization from the top executive all the way down to the frontline person is on board with that. You can't just show up and say this is what we're going to do from now on we're going to live caring counts and expect it to happen. It has to be conversations, CEO to leadership team to middle managers to frontline supervisors to frontline people. Everyone has to have that conversation. How do we make that our brand live? And, and in that conversation, we, we need to make sure that people actually believe that they that's what they want to do and if you do it that way it's going to work if you do it any other way it's not and and so and last week we talked about culture ad and culture fit so i mean it, it really this is a great segue you know with that uh, of understanding if people hired people to what the world used to be but you need to hire people not only do they value what you value but what do they add to that equation? If they're just fitting, it's passive. If they add to it, it means they they feel important. It's part of that. It's proactive. They, they want to contribute to that. 
Exactly. And and it's about skating to where the puck is going to be. And yeah. that has to do with strategic workforce planning. Yeah. So we, we, we don't want to only hire people for today. We want to hire people who can grow into the positions that we're going to need in the future. Joyce, we're coming up toward the end. We, you and I can always, we, we can talk forever. <laughs> forever. And we're just bad service. And I, I know we'll do big back in. How can people get a hold of you? And what are we talking about next week? <laughs> my, my, uh, my email address is Joyce at HermanGroup.com. And uh, my, uh, uh, my website to, to reach me is, is uh, hermangroup.com, or you can reach me by going to hermantrendalert.com, and they can sign up for the weekly Herman Trend Alert. Next week, if we're going to do it in order, we would talk about empathy and the critical importance of empathy in Normal 2.0. That sounds like a good segue. We're definitely going to need that because I think uh, how, how, however the election turns out. Oh, yeah. That we're all going to have to stand in somebody else's shoes. So that may be. Uh, and it's, it's way beyond that, I know, but uh, that's, it's a good start. So that, that'll be uh, our therapy for next week. Joyce, thank you. This it's is a very good start. And this thank you for this opportunity, as usual, Ira, Michael. It was great being with you all, and I look forward to our conversation next week. Yeah. Excited to have you back. See you next week. So, so Michael, uh, we've had a busy day already. We've had our uh, AQ. <laughs> We've had, we've had, yeah, lots of Zoom meetings, lots of calls. Yeah, lots of to, yeah. Uh, we've learned how to uh, resolve our fatigue. I, I really like, uh, I, I didn't think it in that perspective, but I like that asynchronous idea. What, you know what it reminded me of? We just didn't have a chance to get into it. Here, so we need to go pretty quick. Oh, well, it reminded me of Snapchat, but basically more in a corporate setting. Just sending out a message and then having people on a conversation chain. So it, it, it's very cool technology. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you use Slack or, or, or not, but I know there's a couple other tools like that. Um, but somebody I was on a call the other day and they said, oh, yeah, we, we just leave our Slack, the Slack audio on for like two hours a day. And people, so you're like in the same room. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, very interesting. So anyway, I um, want to thank everybody. I, we don't want to fatigue them too much here. We're going to we're, no. we're gonna close here. Uh, I want to thank everybody again for listening to and watching now uh, the Geek, Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. I got my uh, my guest co-host, Michael Spermulli, along with me. Uh, and we now have our new segment with Joyce Joya uh, at the end of each show about keeping ahead of the curve. I uh, really appreciate that. Uh, if you missed the show, you want to have a replay or you rather uh, prefer to get it on your podcast, uh, we're on almost every podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, uh, you name it. We are there. So until next week, 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, don't lift the shift. Eat your plans. Thank you.